And to say the set aside prayer, God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps for covering the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. <coughs> Excuse me. Heavenly Father, <coughs> help us to carry your message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <coughs> Sorry to choke into the microphone. Uh, we're on We Agnostics. Um, this chapter is uh, powerful spiritual information. To me, it really complements uh, scripture in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, and in this chapter, they're trying to get us ready to work the uh, steps to change us. And they're going to trying to get us ready to make a decision about God and how we can't play God anymore, it doesn't work. And we need a new director and it can't be me. And they take several pages in the uh, 60 to 63 to explain that to us. And yet, if you read it, you should be able to see yourself and then you make a decision in step three. But they, we start with willingness and we become willing. That's the first domino of change by our first step when we're surrendered by the disease. And I was surrendered. I didn't, it wasn't a volunteer. I was surrounded and I just, I just gave up. Couldn't do it anymore. And then when I did that, I became willing to do anything. I'm trying to stay the same willingness today that I had years ago. I don't want that willingness to go away. And uh, then they're getting us ready that all we have to do is believe that there is a power that's not me that can solve this problem. That I can't stop drinking and I can't manage my life. And that I, that's my problem. My problem is that um, I don't have any power. And so I have to believe that there is a power that can help me. Now remember when they wrote the book, there was no AA meetings. There wasn't any AA. They had some meetings and they were with, had separated three groups from the Oxford group and they had maybe 50 people sober at the time the book was published. But they, we, we can see and believe that there's a power that could help us when we see others in the room and we hear them celebrate their birthdays and how their lives have changed and then what they did to do that. And the big book is telling the people who read it, what they did and what their problem was. And their problem was lack of power. So now on page um, 50, I think it's page 51, maybe 47, I'm getting old. They ask us a simple question. This is the second step in the big book. The first step is uh, 43 pages in doctor's opinion. So. A lot of people like the 12 and 12 because the steps are numbered, but the 12 and 12 was written with a different purpose than this book. And so they spend a lot of time in this book helping us understand how I'm powerless over alcohol, how my life was unmanageable. And then it says on page 47, do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there's a power greater than myself? And it says, I ask myself the question. It doesn't take a long time to ask yourself the question. You can't work on step two. 
you either believe or you don't believe. And then the willingness in step one, you get from your, from your complete defeat. The disease gives you the willingness, if you're completely defeated, to go to any length. Does anybody remember how bad it was the last day? I don't want to ever forget how bad it was. And so I asked myself, do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe that there's a power greater than me? And that sounds like a stupid question, doesn't it? But for an alcoholic, it's important. Do I believe that there's a power greater than me? And I do. And I know that to be true because I'm going to explain uh, the process of change, but it's true for me today. As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically, notice the word, emphatically assure him that he's on his way. What is he on his way to? To a relationship with the power that can solve his problem. I don't solve any problems in, in my life. God solves them. But I have to take action so that that power can work in my life. It's been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. So we're building a, a spiritual structure in AA when we come in here. We, uh, the foundation of the structure is my complete willingness to do whatever it takes because I have been completely defeated by the disease of alcoholism. And then the cornerstone of this arch, when you come in, you're, you're separated from the arch. We don't realize that. We think it's alcohol is our problem or they are our problem. But my problem is that I'm living in a world that doesn't exist. I'm living in a world where I'm the center of it. And I play God. And I'm living in this world. And when I do that, things don't go the way I like. And I get irritable, restless, and discontent. And I get fearful and I get angry. And then I learned that alcohol would fix that a long time ago. It stopped working towards the end. And so I, don't, I have to leave that world. And the cornerstone is saying, do I believe that there's a different world that can work? And it, I can't, I'm starting to say in my mind, I want to leave this world, the world where I'm the center of the universe, to a different world, the real world where God's the center. Now, if you work the steps on page 84, it says we've entered the world of the spirit. We have to do a certain amount of work to be able to separate ourselves from that world and live in a different world. And then step 10 and 11 is how we stay in that world every day. And if I stay in the world where God's the center and he's running the show, I won't drink. And I'll have less fear and I'll have less anger. And I will make less foolish decisions and hopefully not harm people and myself like I did. So this is the, the cornerstone. And then the, the arch to this structure is the decision in step three that I'm not going to play God anymore. But I need to put the other stones in place, steps four through nine, to be able to walk through the arch so that I'm living in a new world, the world of the spirit. And then I have to learn how to stay in that world, and that's what 10 and 11 is all about. How do I stay connected to God? Because if I'm connected to God, I have a power to live. If I'm in the old world, my world, I don't have any power to live. I only have a power to ruin my life. If I'm having a bad day, it's not God's fault. <laughs> I'm in the wrong world. I'm still running the show. I'm playing God. 
And now I recognize that right away because I don't feel good. And I have these, I've been doing this a long time, I have these, these spiritual principles that I do almost automatically so that I don't stay in that world. Now some days I don't do it as quickly as others. And, uh, but I've, I've learned that I don't want to stay in that world anymore, the world where I'm playing God. And so we're now on um, page 53, where they're getting us ready to ask the most important question in our life, really. And on the, in this first paragraph, they're talking about logic, and we want to be able to prove everything. But then they're going to say, we are at pains to tell why we think our present faith is reasonable. Now, pains to tell why means with great effort, great trouble. And they're trying to, to show us why our old ideas of playing God and being the center of our existence just doesn't work. Why do we think it more sane and logical to believe than not to believe? Why do we say our former thinking was soft and mushy when we threw up our hands in doubt and said, we don't know? Now, a lot of people say to me, well, uh, I believe in God and I pray. I go to church. I go to Mass every day. But they still run the show. You see, running the show, uh, you can believe and still run the show. So we have to follow the willingness and the belief with the decision not to play God and then the actions to change. And then we have trust and true faith. Then we have a different relationship with our Creator. So in AA, they talk about belief and then faith. And the faith is trust. It says we have to live on a different basis, trusting and relying upon God, not trusting and relying on me. And once you do that, you know you could trust God. If I ask God to remove my fear, it'll happen. If I ask God to change my character defect and remove it, it'll happen. If I ask God to, to remove my anger, it'll happen. Now, sometimes I don't ask it right away. We remember progress, not perfection. And we don't become perfect here. We still have our character defects. But I don't want to practice them anymore. And so they're going to ask us this question on page 53. This is a really important uh, two paragraphs. It says, when, when they became alcoholic, now notice the, the past tense here. So you can ask yourself, when did you become an alcoholic? Well, here's, here's what they're going to say. You became an alcoholic when I'm crushed by a self-imposed crisis. I cannot postpone or evade. I, could, I, I, I was in a self-imposed crisis. I cannot postpone or evade. And I can remember the moment when I realized I, I couldn't postpone or evade it. I, I was done. I was beaten. And it says, at that point, I had to fearlessly face the question, that's proposition, that either God is everything or else he is nothing. Now, if you say um, he is nothing, you're screwed. You get it? That's not a good, I sorry, I, on the podcast, I'm going to call New York now. Um, say God is nothing is not going to work. It seems simple, but when I was crushed, you know what I did? I got down on my knees and I asked God to help me. I think it was the first time I ever did that. And I have to ask him to help me today and all through the day. So then it says, if God is everything, either he is or he isn't, what is our choice to be? So there's no middle road. Either God is or he isn't. 
and it said, what is our choice to be? So here's the choice you make every day. Is God everything or is he nothing? Now here they're asking you to make that choice in the beginning. So you can make the decision in step three that you're not going to play God, because God is everything. And on page 63, in the big book, you make a contract with God. And the contract with God is that if you say God's God and I'm not going to play God and he's my father and I serve him and I work for him, it says that you'll get everything you need from God. And then it says what I need to do is play the role he assigns and stay close to him. And then it says, if I do that, I'll live in a new world. I will be reborn. Also, God, there is a bonus. God gets worry. So when you worry, you're doing God's job. You get it? So God gets worry. He gives you everything you need. And then you have to stay close to him and do his work well. Now, how do you do that? Well, that starts on page 64 to 88. It tells you how to do God's work and stay close to him. Steps four through uh, 11, and then 12 is where you practice the principles in all your affairs, work with others. See how it works? You can't do half measures, it won't work. And so God either is, he is, what is our choice to be? And so uh, you have to decide at, the, at this point, but you have to decide all the time. Now, if you come to AA and your life's a mess, you can't stop drinking, and, Everything's falling down on you. And then you decide God's everything, right? But you don't follow through with the rest of the steps. That won't work. Because you won't be able to recognize when you're playing God. That's what step four is all about. It's not beating yourself with a, uh, with a whip on how terrible it was. You see how you were playing God. You see how your fears are wrong beliefs. Your anger is wrong judgment. And you harm people through wrong actions. And they were all because you were living in self and not with God as the center of your world. So that's a really important question. And so I have to remind myself, that's why it's good to stay in the book and keep reading this. That I, what's my choice going to be tomorrow? You know, am I going to choose God or me? Now we're having a family, company, gathering. So I have to realize that I don't need to give my wife advice on what she needs to do. Have you ever? I've learned. I don't need to do that. I need to keep my mouth shut. I don't have to play God in the household. It sounds silly, but it took me years. I'm, and I'm getting really good at it. Like tonight, uh, we were going to have a tomato. And I saw it. And I was going to say, are you going to cut the tomato? And I stopped and I said, boy, that tomato looks good. Do you see the difference? And it's, it's made our marriage better. But she says, I still need a lot of work. And I do, but at least I can see it. You see, it's, I'm making it sound, but I have to choose God. I can't play God with other people. And I can't play God with the world and how I think it, everything should be. And so. Uh, it says, arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith, the need for God, the need for the power. And it says, we couldn't duck this issue. So you can't duck this. 
And you have to see the need for it. It's one thing to give lip service to this, but to really see the need for it. It says, some of us had already walked, so you're on a bridge. There's, there's a bridge, and on one side you're on a, a mountain cliff, and this is where you are in the world uh, where you're centered. Now, you've got to get over to the other side to have a power in your life that can keep you from drinking and a power to live. So you're going to build a bridge. And it says, we had walked far over the bridge of reason towards the desired shore of faith. And here they're giving the analysis that you, they carried their reason so far. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. So they could see it. And friendly hands are stretching out to welcome them. And we were grateful that reason had brought us so far, but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. And this is what they talk about old ideas. Holding on to your rock, holding on to your old ideas. You couldn't quite let go of all your old ideas. And you couldn't completely step across to the shore of faith. And that's why people don't finish the steps. They don't cross, they don't want to completely give up on themselves and cross that shore, do the work. And it says, we, perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. And that's why people uh, don't recover from alcoholism. They can't give up on themselves. They can't give up on their plan. They just can't give up running the show. It's a disease of self-centeredness. It's a disease of selfishness. Alcohol just becomes the solution. And so uh, it's tough. Uh, why did people give up? They might uh, talk about that. Give up because you're completely beaten. And then the thing you have to do is you have to give up every day. And if you stop doing that, the structure that you've walked through to freedom you move back into the other world. And the only way you have power with God to keep you from drinking and to make your life manageable is to stay in that world. And think of yourself as a paperclip. God's over here, and you're a paperclip when you come here, and there's no power. And so as you do the steps, you build the structure, you get closer to God, and he's the magnet. And as soon you get drawn into that world. Now, you want to stay in that world, right? But if you move away, you have less power from the magnet, you see? And you move away. And eventually, you get back to where you were before. And then you have no power to not drink. And so that's, that's what they're getting ready for us to do. And then they talk about. <clears throat> Uh, it says, uh, without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith, well, where you stand when you come in, what was your faith in yourself, in your ideas? They're going to tell you on page 61 that we were mentally ill. I was mentally ill. I had a delusion that I could wrest happiness and satisfaction out of life if I managed well. I wasn't a bad person. I just had the wrong manager me you see and so i had faith in me i believed my ideas anybody else do that 
I believed my resentments were true. I believed my fears were real. And I made decisions based on self that harmed me and others. It says, did we not have confidence in our ability to think? But was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we had been faithful. Now, what you're going to learn in your fourth step was that your ability to think may have been wrong because I had wrong judgments and wrong beliefs and I took wrong actions. But I took that on what I thought. And so in step four, you learn to look at your thinking. And you see that your thinking is blocking you from God when you're in self. So one another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time, but I had faith in the wrong thing. I had wrong faith. I had faith in me. And I trusted what I thought. Did anybody else do that? And then uh, I thought my motives were good. Anybody else have good motives? But they weren't. They were all self-seeking. And then I thought people didn't understand me. They're not treating me right. Don't they know how hard I'm trying? Anybody else ever have that? And then you get into self-pity. Oh, poor me. They just don't understand. Look at how hard I'm doing all this. And then you go down that, that spiral of just self-centeredness. So here they said, uh, we found that we had been worshipers. What a state of mental goose flesh that used to bring on. Mental goose flesh, that's quite a statement. Had we not variously worshipped people, sentiment, things, money, and ourselves, you see they're getting at the problem. What were we worshipping? And then with a better movement, had we not worshipped, we beheld the sunset, the sea, or the flower. Who of us had not loved something or somebody? How much do these feelings, these love, these worships have to do with pure reason? See, they're going to tell us on the, uh, on the next page that we, the fundamental idea of God is inside all of us, but we obscure it. God's always been there. I blocked him out. And step four is where we're going to face and be rid of the things that are blocking me from this power. And then I have to look at my thinking, and then I have to look at my character defects, my personality, and I have to look at how I harmed others and be willing to make amends. That's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then God can work in my life. Now, having said all that, I can wake up tomorrow and I can start judging, or I could control, or I could be impatient or intolerant. And then I have to recognize that because I have to work the steps to get back to where God's in charge and he's showing me the right way to see things. But now they're getting ready for us to do it so we can we can get into that world. Little or not, were not these things the tissue out of which our lives were constructed, the things we were worshiping? If we could just have enough money, if we could just find the right person to love me, if I could just have the right house, you know, the, these, these things that we, we thought, if we could just arrange the world and get enough of whatever it was, we would feel okay. The problem is, if you're an alcoholic, you'll never get enough. The human ego is never satisfied. And we want more and more. Why? Because we're looking for our fulfillment out there from these things rather than from our relationship with God. That's why they say it's an inside job. We don't, we don't look at the world to feel OK anymore. We look at how we're serving God and others. It's a whole different way of looking at things. Does this make sense?
And so, and then when we, we feel bad during the day, we're just back at doing it, you see, and we have to stop doing it and move back into God running the show. It says, it's impossible to say we had no capacity for faith or love or worship because we've been living by faith and little else and worshiping these things, worshiping myself, people, things. Imagine life without faith, where nothing left but pure reason, it wouldn't be life. But we believed in life, of course we did. We could not prove life in the sense you can prove a straight line is the shortest distance between two points, yet there it was. Could we still say the whole thing was nothing but a mass of electrons created out of nothing, meaning nothing? Of course we couldn't. Hence we saw that reason isn't everything. Neither is reason, as most of us see it, entirely dependable. Now I have to learn that I can't depend on my reasoning when I'm separated from God and I'm in self. That my reasoning, my thinker, is giving me wrong information. If uh, somebody tells me uh, something and it doesn't really make any sense, I said, well, who told you you should do that? We said, I did. I said, well, that's your thinker. And, and your thinker sometimes give you wrong information to tell you you should be upset with this person or intolerant or afraid of this. And then there's this famous speaker who says that he asks this thinker, what's its source of information? Who's telling me to have a fear? Who's telling me to be judgmental? It's the ego or it's Satan, whatever you want to call it, that separates you from God. And it says, um, yet we have been seeing another, they're talking about people who prove that man could not fly, yet we have been seeing another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world. And that's what we want. We want to be liberated from the world of self-centeredness. People rose above their problems. They said, God made these things possible. Don't we say that several times in the book? God is suddenly doing for, myself, for me what I couldn't do for myself. We suddenly realize that. That's on page 83 when you, those are the world of the spirit promises. We call them the ninth step promises, but they're the promises when you're in a right relationship with God. And the promises are great, but you can have the promises at 9 in the morning and they're gone at 10.30. And so you have to be able to get back to uh, that world. So here, here's, here's this, uh, I'm going to just do one more paragraph. Actually, you're fooling myself. I fooled myself. I didn't realize my whole life my problem was me and I was running the show. I just wanted approval. I wanted to be loved. That doesn't sound bad, does it? But when you do that, you make the world your higher power. And you're afraid of how people look at you and whether they think you're good enough and this and that and all this nonsense. It says, we were fooling ourselves for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. And I agree with that. The consciousness of God is inside all of us. But here's what I did. It may be obscured, I obscured it by calamity, by pomp, which is ostentations, pride, display, worship of other things. I obscured this, this fundamental idea of God. It was there, but I blocked it. But in some form or other, it is there. 
For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. It's a fact. Marx could be happy. I'm going to read another paragraph. He knew that was coming. Because this paragraph may be the, one of the most powerful paragraphs ever written. It says, we finally saw, they finally saw that faith in some kind of God was part of our makeup just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. And how did they do that? How did they see that this faith in God was part of their makeup? Sometimes we had to search fearlessly. We search fearlessly, we search fearlessly, we work the steps. We do four or five, six and seven, eight and nine. We search fearlessly, but he noticed the capital H was there. And he was as much a fact as we were. You're sitting here, you think you exist, don't you? Everybody think you exist? Yeah. And as much as I think I'm here right now, I know God's here too, right with me. We found the great reality. Notice the capital G, capital R. So where do you find this great reality? Where do you find this relationship? Deep down within us. It's deep down inside of us, and we do it. And here's how you do it. In the last analysis, when you're done working your fourth step, and you're taking the actions of six and seven and making amends, you find God. It is so with us. Powerful stuff. We'll pick up on page 55, and I'll probably review those two paragraphs again because they're so important. And uh, then we'll finish We Agnostics, and then we'll read how it works and go through all of that. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Michael. I hope it was helpful.